an award that we're never going to get, Fanula. We, we don't have the power, we don't have the know-how, and we don't have probably the, the good nature in our heart as much as this gentleman. <laughs> No, I think we do have to really uh, give you, well, a, a virtual round of applause because it won't be great with just the two of us. But Liam Cunningham, you have been the recipient of the Irish Council for Civil Liberties first ever Lifetime Contribution to Human Rights Award. So a really nice one to pick up. It's very, it's very nice. It's very nice. And, 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 and in, a, in a way, it's a, it's a bit embarrassing um, because I, 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 you don't get involved in this stuff for awards if you do you're an idiot um and it's 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 basically i i try and bear witness and advocate on behalf of people um who don't have a voice i mean you know it's just it's just getting out there and just saying look we can't sit idly by and allow this these awful things to happen without letting people know that that somebody cares about them that somebody um uh, it tries to give them a bit of hope, and and that was one of the things when I when I travel to the various places that I go to that that people don't feel forgotten when they've you know they've they've had their dignity taken away, their hope, their but almost you know their lives from war and stuff. So so I, I it, it uh, in a strange way it feels kind of a, almost a cheat that I'm able to pop in and get back on a bloody plane and come home to my nice safe life in Dublin. Um, so. Uh, it's it's difficult to feel that, that you deserve it. You know what I mean. It's the people who have managed to get their families through this with, without being killed and being whatever horrible things happening to them. They're they're the real heroes. You said it's you feel like uh, it's cheating. You're able to escape to your Dublin home, but very easily yeah. you could dip into a chute, uh, dip onto a red carpet, and disappear and just live that lifestyle and ignoring everything that's going around you. Uh, you could yeah. live in that bubble. So, you know, you're putting yeah. yourself out there. So I don't think I'd feel like a, a cheat, but I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a bit of that. But I, you know what? I'll I, I tell you, there was sort of real reason. I, I'm still moaning and whinging about the same stuff that I, that I, that I moaned and whinged about when I was in my, my 20s and my late teens. Uh, except, except then, at a young age, you're regarded as kind of being whatever a rebel or a whatever it may be. When you're when you're in your late fifties, you can be regarded as curmudgeonly for having the same opinions. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so basically, it's if I, if I wasn't giving out about the same things in my twenties now, when you've got a bit of a platform with this temporary celebrity that I've got, yeah, yeah, and you've got a bit of a voice, and people like your good selves want to talk. Um, then you, you've got to you've got to speak up for people who are who haven't been as lucky in life as you have. You know, it, I, I, it's a case of me having, <coughs> being able to look in the mirror. I need to be able to look in the mirror, and if I, as you say, just enjoy the red carpets and and uh, the bit of celeb life, um, I, I just couldn't. I, I, well, I couldn't enjoy that unless I was doing the other stuff. You know what I mean? Um, that's it. For people maybe who aren't aware of um, some of the causes that you're promoting and highlighting, can you give us a rundown, I suppose, if that's not an inappropriate word, of the ones that are kind of closest to your heart and that you feel are most important to speak out about? Well, I, I suppose, well, I initially got involved several years ago when, when, uh, with the uh, IRC. Um, and the IRC, the International Rescue Committee, which were set up uh, by Einstein, a wonderful, wonderful genius of a scientist, who was a Jewish refugee during World War II, who went to America. And, and obviously, um, 
had a, a certain affinity with the plight of his fellow refugees. And, and so that was set up in the States. I, so I went with a couple of cast members um, uh, from the show. Uh, we went to Greece first, um, to uh, uh, Lesbos, which is, you know, has blown up again this week. Um, and uh, so we on Thessaloniki, and the, the Greek people were incredibly good about taking people in that were coming over from Turkey. And then from there, I went to. Uh, after that, I went to Jordan um, to visit the refugee camps, uh, Azarek and Zatari. Um, and I met uh, a young man there who was an incredibly impressive human being, Hassan, um, who who came over for the weekend um, uh, to join me. Um, because I wanted people to see him uh, and see this person, not as a number, not as an unfortunate, but as a as a, a young man who who loves life, who has a spark in his soul, and no amount of bombs and war can can steal his uh, his zest for life and his curiosity, his sense of wonder, and, and his his life as a human being. So in in my mind, that man has not been beaten by by waves of military lunacy and psychopath behaviour uh, and and he, he's a winner because they couldn't take his his zest for life away and uh, mm. so from there I, I went to, I, I've been in northern Uganda with some of the South uh, a lot of the South Sudanese and before, before the Rohingya thing it was the largest refugee camp on the planet that was in northern Uganda and then I was in South Sudan as well and I, I just come back and, and, and talk about the plight of these people and make sure that they're not forgotten and uh, it's difficult stuff to look at. Um, and uh, but we need to, we need we need to, to to help these people because don't forget during the famine, but only a hundred whatever fifty years ago, if even that, um, we were taken in. We were you know a million and a half refugees from Ireland were were taken into you know into, mainly into North America. We lost a million and a half through the famine. You know, there's various estimates in that ballpark. And it wasn't that long ago that we were. We were in need of assistance because we were seeking refuge. Um, so we do not have any right to turn our backs on them or forget about them. And uh, and that's and that's um, it's just as I say, a little voice if I can. But he's unfortunate. I feel broadly speaking, we have a tendency to look at people as facts and figures sometimes on a on a spreadsheet and people, yeah. we forget that they are human beings that have human lives. And um, you spoke about so many countries there, but can I ask you, Liam, how does yeah. one go from being an electrician in, in Zimbabwe to being yeah. one of the most recognisable voices and faces in the world? It's it's a very strange. Well, it's, it's like I said, it's only taken me thirty years to be an overnight success. <laughs> um, I've been at this a long time, and I and I, I mean, I genuinely fell in love with the process of acting. I mean, I'm sort of embarrassing people, you know, who don't know me or whatever. Say, what do you do? And it, it's difficult for me to say I'm an actor. It's just really weird. It's it's never sat well with me. I actually love the process. I love acting. But I'm not really mad about being an actor. It's just weird. It has too many connotations and baggage and all that sort of stuff. But um, I've been very lucky. I, I, you know, th- throughout the years and every sort of two or three years, I managed to do something that's that has a bit of resonance. You know, I'm, I'm like I'm really proud of the culturally proud of of the movies I did about Ireland. You know, the Winter Shakes of Barley and, and, and Hunger and, and and also stuff that's lighter stuff like The Guard uh, and that. Um, and, ver- and various other stuff uh, throughout my career. Um, 
but I, I suppose you know in answer to your question I suppose the big one that that sort of threw me all over the planet was the, the Game of Thrones thing so um, when you've got a platform like that and people want to see it and and uh, and want to talk to you about these things then it's a, it's a great um it's a great device to uh, to get these um, these um stories of these unfortunates out and 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 that point that you just made about we kind of look at spreadsheets and and uh, and numbers instead of individuals that's kind of a, i get that it, that's emotionally to protect ourselves there's so much absolute horror about this stuff that the that, that the kind of way we emotionally manage it is to kind of look at the numbers and go, isn't it awful? And, and you generally, genuinely do feel sorry for people in this plight. But we kind of protect ourselves. It's very difficult for us to look, especially at young children, and especially if you have young children and go, there but for the guys that go, go away, you know, that could be us. It's, it's, it's almost emotionally overwhelming. Mm. But, but as the fella said, all it needs for evil to triumph is for good people to stay silent. So you, ca- you can't... You can't stay silent. You know, it's like Desmond Tutu, Bishop Desmond Tutu said, if you're silent uh, in, in a time of oppression, you've taken the side of the oppressor. Uh, and you, you can't do that. Um, we really do need to help these people because we were helped and we have a moral obligation, not only that, but we have a, we have a legal obligation under international law. Refugees have to be helped by, um, uh, to the country that they, they've gone to. And that was, you know, in response to what happened during World War Two to, to um, uh, the Jewish community around the world. You've been involved in telling so many important stories on screen. If you were to look at a situation of possibly combining your activism with the acting then, would you like to see yourself maybe bringing these stories that you're, you're meeting people and, you know, their stories on screen or even on stage? Um, I'd, I'd be listen. If the right story came along, I'm not going to insult people by by just being worthy and getting stuff out and all that sort of thing. There would have to be there would have to be some point to do it. You know, it's it's you can reach a lot more people if you're doing. You know, on stage, you, you only reach a certain amount of people, and and sometimes you can be, you know, um, what do you call it, declaiming to the you know, preaching to the converted, uh, and you don't want to do that. You want to get it to people that. Uh, as many people as possible, um, uh, and and just keep the awareness up of this. I mean, there's there's you know there's horrific video during the week of the Greek Coast Guard who are you know firing shots into the water and driving their boats in front of these inflatables to try and get people to turn around. In the last week, there's 24,000 people has arrived, um, and you have the head of the, of the the head of the European Union turning around and says, "So that Greek is our shield." Greece, you know, Greece is not only a country in Europe; it's it's the border of the European Community, and they are our shield. I mean, to use words like this, our shield against people that need help, it's very, very bizarre, and you can't use words like that. It's dehumanising. Uh, it's uh, these are pe- people that deserve our help. And the other thing, there's a photograph that I saw on the internet during the week of during World War Two, when the Syrian people were taking in Greek refugees during World War Two. Who were, you know, escaping from the islands that were uh, under the um, under the military push of the Nazis, and they went to Syria for refuge. So you know what I mean? It's it's uh, it's Europe's turn, unfortunately. And as well as that, the Europeans have involved have been involved in causing this problem in the first place. They're all over Libya, all over Syria, and all over these places. It's not like this thing just arrived on our doorstep. 
Europe is partially the cause of this problem. So we have an obligation. As an aunt once said to me, and I didn't realise the meaning of the saying for years after, eaten bread is soon forgotten. Uh, And I think that might come into play when you hear the language from the likes of the European Union, which you would not expect. You might expect it from other countries, but the the head of the European Union, you wouldn't expect language such as that. Yeah, it's it's shirking our responsibility and it's not taking responsibility for the cause in the first place and making it seem like it's their fault. And as well as that, I mean, obviously, with Turkey using people as, as, as bargaining chips to try and draw people into this conflict, um, and the, I mean, the other thing, you know, the, it's a complicated issue. But w- one of the reasons the, 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 the uh, Turkish are looking after about three and a half million um, uh, uh, Syrian refugees, primarily Syrian refugees, um, they did a deal with the EU uh, that the EU would, would fund Turkey with six billion uh, in assistance to look, <coughs> excuse me, to look after these refugees. <coughs> They've only delivered half the money. So, mm. you know... Uh, you, you, you can't be doing this. This, this is out of order. Um, and, and we're not handling it well. And whatever happens on the back of this, if this gets worse, if this is not the, the fault. It's very easy to blame the migrants or refugees, whatever you, whatever this term it, it, that you want to use. Is that we're, we're not in a position to do that. We, we, um, we need to, to step up to the plate and uh, accept the responsibilities uh, that we are partially responsible for the cause of this in the first place. I'm interested to know. I, I'm interested to know. Do you, um, in terms of like your family and how, do you, for example, your kids? Do you talk to your kids much about the different causes you're getting involved in? Do they engage with you on it? To be ha- kind of having the chats with them about it? Or are they more yeah. like, oh, Daddy's in Game of Thrones. Let's talk about that. <laughs> now that 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 that, that boat. Um, they were very. They were. They, listen, they loved all that stuff. We'd sit on the sofa. You know, we got up for the last season. I saw them. I saw the episodes at the same time as you guys, uh, and and we got up. We set our alarms for whatever it was, one or two in the morning, and and watched them live. We all got out of bed in our robes and pajamas and sat on the sofa together, and, and watched them. So th- they do love all that. Um, however, th- they are one of the reasons that I'm doing what I'm doing, and um, th- that I need to be able to t- turn around. I need I need to make them, <clears throat> I need to make them proud as well, and I, I need to instill a, a sense of social justice. Um, again, it's one of the reasons with the, like with the, with the homeless and housing situation here. Um, it's only in the last election that people have sort of said, "Well, you've had your turn with the with the governments that have been in over the last nine years or whatever. Uh, you've had your turn. We want our ball back." And I think that's one of the reasons the the the, the general election. I mean, even you know that T shot came around and uh, in in within the last few days and admitted that their housing policies have fallen short. I, I, I think that's a major understatement. Um, and we, we need to, um, um, we need to perhaps, the Apple money, the famous 16 billion that we've already spent millions trying not to take off Apple, of taxpayers' money that we've, that we've used. Um, perhaps that windfall could be used to, to, um, to, 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 to uh, build a, a huge amount of, um, a huge amount of houses and social housing and drive down the prices of housing so people aren't going to have to get on a plane and families broken up and our health service might be better staffed and open beds and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I just get a bit peed off with, with, with people measuring the health of a society with a spreadsheet in, instead of 
instead of uh, the, the measure of society is how we look after our disadvantaged and our, our people who haven't haven't been as lucky as perhaps you guys and myself. Um, and and it's like so, it's like somebody said, if things are going bad for you in an election, then you vote for yourself. If things are going well, you vote for people who who haven't done as well out of society as you have. I think that's just basically right and the difference between right and wrong, you know? Mm. Um, and, and and I think you've got a, if you've got any decency in it all, or, and I think, you know, I think I'm like most people. If I think most people, if they're in my position and had an opportunity to speak up on behalf of people who were, you know, less lucky, then I think they would speak up. I, I, I feel I'm one of many. I don't, you know, I just happen uh, some, I just happen to be handed the mic, if you know what I mean. Yeah, this particular one. I get you. Yeah, and I'm glad that you feel that way, and that you don't feel that you're totally in the minority, having the position that you have, and that you're the only one speaking up. I think that would be a lot more frustrating than thinking, uh, well, if more people were in my position and had my voice, that they would speak up as well. Before, I've no doubt. I've no doubt. There's an inherent. I'm not cynical about people. I think there's an inherent decency in people. You know, where especially you know. Being Irish, we we give incredibly generously to, to charities, and and we're desperately concerned about the homeless here, and and and, and you know in the housing situation where people who who want to get on with their lives and have kids and aren't twenty nine or thirty years old and are still living at home with their parents and they can't start families, you know, just basic living, um, and. Uh, um, and, and we should fight for those people because, uh, you know, the, the more happy people we have in a society, the happier a society is. It's, it's basic math. And happier everyone around them is like, you know, no one likes to see uh, suffering except a sadist. And we hope that there isn't that many of them here. There's very few of them. Unfortunately, a lot of them are in government. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you mentioned that, and I mean, you've given us so much food for thought. Um, yeah. How likely and how soon will we see you in Dáil Éireann? Oh, don't do that. <laughs> are you joking me? I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to cheat me expenses. <laughs> I think. Well, you know, obviously, you no, speak so passionately. You speak so passionately. Yeah. You're obviously well informed um, on the issues that you're interested in, and we're yeah. seeing maybe as we. T- it's the most cliched phrase at this stage: a vote for change. Um, yeah. I mean, would you see yourself putting yourself forward? No, I think there's people that are much better at it than me. I'm desperately disorganised. I'm. I'm. I'm I, I find it hard to send an email I'm, I'm useless <laughs> I may be reasonably articulate my vocabulary is quite small but I'm reasonably passionate and articulate and I've, I support I support people who are much better at it than I am um, and are very good with the wheels of organisation and all those sort of things that is not where my talents lie at all and, and I love telling stories I love I love I love the the acting, the drama thing, the comedy thing, because for me, when I was growing up, it was one of those things that made me feel not alone in the world. When you're Mm. sitting in a, you know, in a cinema with a with three or four hundred people and watching a wonderful movie and laughing together, I love that. I love all that sort of stuff, and it puts the hair up on the back of my neck. But but as regards politics, that's that slow thing of. What did I say? A week is a long time in politics and all that. I'm not good at that. I want things done now. And and, and the more people like that, then, then then the more acceleration we can get on on the p- people who are good at politics. And they will they, they will hopefully achieve those things. I'm eternally optimistic. Even though the horrible things I've seen in various countries around the world and the, 
and a lack of hope and lack of dignity and, and the terrible things that have happened to uh, women and kids and whatever it may be. I'm eternally optimistic. Like I said, we're an inherently good species of people, species of animal that really want to look after each other if we're allowed. We just have to just keep our eye on the psychopaths that are in very expensive suits who want to start wars and and, and, and you know take take away people's dignity and and profit on other people's misery, you know? Uh, we just have to keep our eye on them and not give them the freedom that they have at the moment. That's it. Straighten them out. Liam, before we let you go, and we, reali- or we really appreciate all your time, it is yeah. a cliched question, and it's a question you get asked in every single interview, but it's a cliche well, for a reason. What is next for Mr. Cunningham? Uh, what's next? What's next? Well, I've, do- I've done um, um, I've, got, I've done a bank heist movie. I've always liked a bank heist movie. Ooh. Um, I did one in Madrid with the lovely Freddie Highmore, which people will know from The Good Doctor. And uh, didn't he play Norman Bates as well? He's a gorgeous individual. Uh, and we're stealing, we're robbing the Bank of Spain. I'm playing the, the mastermind. So we did that over the summer, uh, last summer, and it will be coming out later on this year. And I have, just before Christmas, I was in Rome. I had the toga on, ancient Rome. And what's interesting about it is it is ancient Rome told from the perspective of the ladies, which is really interesting dramatically uh, because there were some incredibly uh, powerful women that were operating in a male-dominated world. Uh, and that is a 10-part thing for Sky. Uh, and the first three episodes were directed by a, a lady director from Australia. Um, so it's a really interesting thing. But I've yet to see the results of the final... Um, product. So uh, I have my fingers crossed that they're going to be good and viewable and wonderful and we'll see what happens. Well, there's not many things that your face pops up in or even your voice and the likes of Rick and Morty that we find disappointing. So we have good faith and you've got good form. So we wouldn't get too panicked about it being uh, poor, let's say that. I get three to one at the curry. Get good <laughs> oh, you get better, seven to two or something. Like that. No, that's worse odds. Those are worse. I'll settle for that. Seven I'll to four. Seven to four. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Liam Cunningham again congratulations on your award from the Irish Council for Civil Liberties thank you for chatting to us it has been really enjoyable so hopefully we didn't take too much out of your day and uh, look hopefully we'll get to speak again in the future fantastic lovely talking to you thank you very much much appreciated weekdays from 2.50 